it is what we make it. How many of us have ever seen life can be short? How many of us can never have ever seen how quickly today we're here and tomorrow we could be gone? How many of us have ever seen the importance of, of really giving our all? I don't know if you guys can remember way back, you know, 10 years ago when we were in high school. How many of us really focused on, on doing homework and, and book reports? And I don't know if you noticed back in high school that when you studied, when you read, you studied, and you prepared, how many of us learned that typically you would do better on the test, right? If you read, if you were studied up, how many of us have seen in life, if you put the work in, you were ready the next day for a test. You were ready the next week for a test. Life is no different than taking a test. It is what you make it. Life will be what you make it, what you decide to do. God is a gentleman. He said, here's life. Here's the gift of life. Here's the breath of life. It will be what you make it, what you decide to do with your life. Your, your life as a man, your life as a woman, your life as a parent, your life as a spouse, your life and family, your life at your job, your life everywhere you go and everything that you do, it will be what you make it, what you decide to do every single day. If you have your Bibles, we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10. We started a theme this month called Fight the Good Fight. So turn to your neighbor and say, Fight the Good Fight. Fight the Good Fight. Ephesians 6.10 says this, a final word, be strong in the Lord, in his mighty power. Put on all God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. We're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers, authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, against evil spirits in heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after battle, you will be standing firm. This morning, if you were asked and given an opportunity to fight somebody in a boxing ring for $10 million, how many of us would say, okay? How many of us say $10 million, win or lose? Win or lose, $10 million. You got to make it a couple rounds, though. Does $10 million sound good? And I wonder for that kind of prize, how much time, energy, and effort would we prepare just to make it through two rounds? All I gotta do is make it through two rounds and I could get $10 million. How much time, energy, life, passion, training, changing our diet maybe, no more french fries, even though french fries are just amazing, right? How many of us would cut out fast food and just eat, you know, meat, pasta, spaghetti, bulk up on fatty, yummy, wonderful food? How many of us would spend time lifting weights, running, jogging? Because we got to make it two rounds. Your life this morning is far worth more than $10 million. But do we prepare like we're worth the worth that we have? Have we prepared ourselves for all that we are and all that we're worth this morning. If we knew, and sometimes, most of us, let's be honest, we're, we're visual kind of people, people who hear things, see things, and so if we knew there was a prize of $10 million, yes, I'm gonna plan and prepare, I'm gonna do everything I can for that. And, and I don't know if you feel that this morning, but you are way worth more than $10 million. There is no price tag that can be put on your life. Not 
I read this verse this morning, and we usually start with the other verse, fight the good fight. But you see, this morning, all of us are fighting somewhere. And all of us have someone or something in our life that we're fighting somewhere or something. Whether it could be finances in our life, whether it could be health in our life, whether it could be relational in our life. How many of us, whether it's in ourself, in our direct circle, know somebody that's fighting for health, for provision, for a job, for money, for, for life, for love? How many of us know at least one person that say, yes. I know I'm fighting for something. So Paul, speaking in Ephesians 6.10, he says, we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. So what if God comes to you and says, I'm going to put you in the boxing ring with the devil. I'm going to put you in the boxing ring with the devil. And I need you to beat the devil. There's only one thing. You can't see him. You need to beat him. You need to take the devil down, but you can't see him. Writing Apostle Paul, Ephesians, he says, you see, we're not fighting against all flesh and blood, enemies, against evil rulers, but we are fighting against things that are in the unseen dark world. And it's not weird or spooky and the lights aren't going to flicker right now and smoke's not going to come out, but there is a spiritual world that's around us we can't see. There are voices that are around us, and it doesn't make us crazy if we hear five different voices say, yes, eat that Twinkie. No, don't eat that Twinkie. That does not mean that we're crazy, right? There are more voices than just the one inside of ourselves. And there is God, the God of the universe, who speaks to us daily because he loves us and he cares for us. And yes, there is an enemy, his name is the devil, who also speaks his lies and speaks every single day. What is, what's his main goal? Steal, kill, destroy. That's his goal. What does he try to set out to do in your life every single day in my life? Steal, kill, and destroy. And so Apostle Paul said, listen, if we're going to fight an enemy we can't see, we have to clothe ourselves with the armor of God. We have to clothe ourselves with this armor. And it says it's got the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, sword of the spirit, shield of faith, and the feet that's equipped with peace. And this morning, if we were going to go out to battle, that looks like, I mean, it's a little blurry, right? But that looks like good armor, right? Can you see that? Does that look like pretty good armor? You got pretty good uh, chance of survival with that kind of armor on? Yeah, maybe, right? It looks pretty tough. looks pretty heavy duty. But you know what it doesn't cover? You know what it doesn't cover? It doesn't cover the backside. Ah, turn it over and say it's always about the backside. See, the challenge in life is we are all fighting someone, something. But unfortunately, most of us have had our, our backs turned to the right and correct source and giver of life. And if you were in a relationship like this and you lived like that, is that going to be a very successful, happy relationship? But how many of us day in and day out in relationships, in our spiritual walk with God, at our jobs, in life, we're turning back our backs on the people who could really help us the most. And so it's great to be clothed with the armor of God and look so tough from the front, but who's protecting your backside? 
Because if we're in the boxing ring with the devil and we got to take him down, an enemy that we can't see, you can't see him, you're well protected in the front. You're well guarded. Is he going to get you from the front or is he going to get you from somewhere else? He's going to get you from the backside, right? The devil's going to get you from the backside. 1 Peter 5.8, stay alert, watch out, your great enemy, the devil, prowls around looking for, like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. 2 Corinthians 11.14, not surprised, Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Genesis 4.7 says, you'll be accepted if you do what's right, but if you refuse to do what's right, watch out, sin's crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. You know what the crazy thing about Genesis 4, it's the book of beginnings, Right? Don't we love beginnings? Ah, the beginning of the love story, the beginning of the movie, the beginning, the intro, the very beginning, all those sweet, special, wonderful things. And here in the beginning, the book of beginnings, there's two brothers, and they were asked to do something, to give an offering to God, Cain and Abel. One of them decided, you know what? I'm going to give God my very best. I want to offer him what he deserves. I want to give him my very best. The other brother said, eh, you know what? I just want to just throw something in, up in the air. I just want to give him, ah, something little. And it says that God accepted Abel's sacrifice, but on Cain he didn't accept his sacrifice. Cain gets upset. He gets mad at God. And he gets mad at his brother. Why are you looking happily? Why are you happy with my brother but not with me? At least I gave you something, God. At least I offered you something, God. God said, yeah, but you didn't offer your best. I created and gave you life but you don't want to give me your best. I created and gave you the sun, moon, stars, oceans, the sand, all the things that we love. We love. Don't, aren't there so many things in life we love? Right? Who gave us those? Who is the giver of life? It's God. And so God goes to Cain and he says, Cain, if you just do what's right, you're going to be accepted. But if you don't do what's right, sin's crouching at the door, eat or control you. And the writer here, in the Hebrew language, the picture that he painted was a lion waiting in the fields, hiding, waiting to pounce on its prey. Interestingly enough, we see 1 Peter 5, 8. What did, what did Peter say? Watch out because the devil, he prowls around like a lion looking for someone to devour. And so my question to you this morning is, all of us at the time, we're, we're strong people. Man, we are strong. We're tough. We eat nails for breakfast. We are so good and strong and tough and amazing. But no matter how tough we are, how many of us have seen in life we could be weak in a moment and make a bad choice and do something we shouldn't do? No matter how tough we are, no matter how good we are, how many of us have seen that in a moment sometimes we can just turn our back when it matters the most. And so Paul, he wrote that verse, 1 Timothy 6.12, which you can't see there, but you're going to see now. 1 Timothy 6.12, he said, fight the good fight. And when he was saying that to Timothy, he's saying, fight with all your might. Fight so that foam is coming out of your mouth. You are fully engaged. You are ready. The nails are out. The claws, they are extended. You are ready to fight with everything within you. Fight for what is good. Fight for what is right. Fight and go after all that God has for you. Fight the good fight. And so this morning, with that, it's our introduction to today's theme. We're fight the good fight. And the topic this morning, 
Genesis chapter 22, starting in verse 1. We're going to fight for who pays. We're going to fight for who pays. Turn to your neighbor and say, who's paying? Have you ever gone out to eat? Have you ever gone out to eat? Dee's never gone out to eat. Shame on her, right? But how many of us have gone out to eat, and you're sitting there, and you're having a good time, and you're wondering, who's paying the bill? Right? Now, obviously, if you invite a friend out to dinner, if you invite a friend out to dinner and you say, hey, it's my treat, then everybody knows who's paying, right? But how many of us have ever got together with family or friends, and at that moment, you're like, I'm really hungry and I'm ordering a lot of food, but I'm not sure, do I have to pay or are they going to pay? Who is going to pay? And so this morning, <laughs> you invite, you pay. Okay, so that's, I guess, how it works, right? There's a fight this morning for who pays. With your Bibles, Genesis chapter 22, starting in verse 1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called, yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, who you love so much. Go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the top of the mountains, which I will show you. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey. He took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire, burnt offering, set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and he saw a place, the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey. Abraham told his servants, the boy and I will travel just a little farther. We will worship there, and then we will come back. Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, we have the fire and the wood, the boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered. And they both walked on together. When they arrived at the place where God had told them to go, Abraham built an altar. He arranged the wood on it. And then he tied his son, Isaac. He laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. And at that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on that boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way, for I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. And he took the ram and he sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Abraham named the place Yahweh Yara, which means the Lord will provide. Jehovah Jireh. To this day, the people still use that name as a proverb on the mountain of the Lord. It will be provided. There is a fight for who pays the bill this morning. So as we paint a picture this morning of this story, we see God comes to Abraham and he says, take your son. This man's 100 years old. Like, that's all of our goal, right? To live to be 100. Help me to be 100. Help me to be healthy, whole, no wrinkles, right? Good health, 100 years old. This guy is 100 years old. He has a son, and he waited a long time. Him and his wife tried for years to have kids, and they could not. They even tried to cheat the system a little bit, and they paid for that as well. 
They waited a long, long, long time to have a baby. They were old and wrinkly by this time. And God, miraculously, because when you get to be 80, 100, who knows what works and what doesn't, right? But somehow, Abraham and Sarah have a baby boy. God comes to him one day and he says, I want you to take your son. And he's like, yes. And I want you to sacrifice him as an offering. What? What? Crazy. And we have no idea what Abraham is thinking. We have no idea what's going through the mind of Abraham. Like, oh my gosh, what are you, you're asking me to give up my only son? My, the one that I love the most? This is his most cherished thing. This is everything to Abraham. His son Isaac was everything. He said, you want me to give up? You want me to sacrifice this son? We notice that the next verse, what did he do? He got up early the next morning. So this didn't prolong for a week. It didn't go on for two weeks. It didn't go on for a month. We saw that Abraham said, if I got to do this, I'm doing it when? I'm doing it now. Abraham, older, wiser, learned. You know what? If something's asked of me, let me just get it done now. Let me not put it off. Let me not wait another day, right? Abraham being asked, and we get asked to do simple little tasks every day, and how many of us, we put those simple little tasks off for another day, another week, another month, until it's a year later, right? But being asked to sacrifice your only son, why would a man do this? Why would a man be willing to go through with this? Why would a man get up early the next morning and be prepared to sacrifice his only son the next day? God, you asked it? Okay, I will do it. There must be a reason for this. As he's walking with his servants, they took a three-day journey. He says to his servants, we will be right back. We. Now, we, we does not mean just me, right? So somehow Abraham knew God was up to something. Abraham knew that God was doing something. And he said to his boys there, he said, stay here with the camels, stay here with the donkey. We will be back. We are going to worship and we will be back. So in Abraham's mind, he knew what was being asked of him. He knew he was being asked to give up his one and only son. He knew that he was asked to sacrifice his only son. But he said, he knew in his heart, mind, and soul, one way or another, we will be back. Got to love his son Isaac in this story because he turns to his dad as they're getting ready to walk up the mountain. Dad, I see wood. You're carrying the knife, which isn't good, and fire. Uh, where's the animal? Worship for them was offering sacrifices. And it usually is a kid who's smart, light bulb turns on. They're like, uh... I can tell something's going to go down right now, right? This isn't good. He's looking at his dad, probably has a little tear in his eye, thinking like, <laughs> what, 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 what are you doing? Dad, where's the sacrifice? Notice how Abraham, and he's older, right, wiser, but he's carrying the torch and the knife. That's the fun stuff, right? Dad always gets the fun tools, fun weapons. What did he do to his boy? He made him carry the weight of the wood which he would be sacrificed on. Isaac, this little boy, 
No idea, just following dad along like, okay, my dad loves me. He thinks I'm the best. He has no idea what his dad's about to do. Dad. What did he say to his son? God will provide. God will provide. And I have to think as he's laying there, because Abraham gets to the point where he builds an altar with rocks. He had the wood all chopped up. Rope to tie his son down. He is at this point of, and he, while they're walking up, he just got done. Remember telling his son, God will provide. What's his son thinking as he's tied up, roped down, on wood, on the altar? He's thinking, my dad, he's probably thinking words we don't want to say right now, right? I mean, he, there has to be three billion things going through his head as he's looking up at his dad with probably tears streaming down his face. He's all tied up. He's on this altar, and he's thinking, my dad just said he, God will provide. Well, I guess, I, well, you know what? God's not coming through, I guess. My dad said uh, that God was going to provide. Mm. But I guess he didn't. I have to pay. I have to be the one that pays. I got to be the one because God didn't come through, so I have to pay. It's got to come out of my pocket. It's got to come out of my savings account. It's got to come from my life. Dad, you said God would provide. The angel of the Lord stops him and he says, Abraham, Abraham, when you said it twice, something very serious. So the tone of the angel was so serious. Abraham, Abraham, he says, you truly fear God. You truly fear God, man, because whatever God asks, you're going to do it. No matter what God asks you to do, you fear him above everything else. You fear God above everything else. You are willing to do whatever God asks you to do. You have not withheld even your only son, the very thing that you cling to every day, the very thing that you hold on to every single day. You have not withheld anything from God. You haven't withheld anything. He said, because of that, God is going to bless you. And he said, because of that, God's going to make you famous. And because of that, you will be talked about forever and ever and ever and ever. And so this morning, Abraham's life speaks of five things. Turn your neighbor and say five things. Number one, this man had a faith in God. His faith started at a young age. His faith started and he was in a nice, normal family. They were traveling from one part of town to a different part of town. His dad got a word from God to say, leave. This is a bad part of town. You need to move across to, to Val Vista because we know how good Val Vista is. Get out of Hammond and go to Val Vista. And so his dad, his dad stopped. Even though God had told him to keep moving on, God, this Abraham's dad stopped. And it says that he decided to settle there anyway. And so one day, Abraham picks up his phone because he gets a call from God. He says, Abram, I want you to leave this place. I asked your dad to, but you weren't his, your dad wasn't willing to. And I want you to go. I'm not even going to tell you where you're going to go. I'm not even going to tell you where you're going to go. But if you listen and follow me, good things will happen. And so Abraham got his wife, got his nephew, Got a couple animals, and he took off. 
And so we see the beginning of the faith in Abraham. Abraham, faith in God. I'm willing to go. I'm willing to drop my life. I'm willing to drop my life, my job, my day, everything I have, my family. I'm willing to leave all of that behind, God, to follow you into the unknown. You're not telling me where to go. Can you imagine? God didn't tell him where to go. You're going to go over here. You're going to live on Florida Street at the end of town, at the bottom of the hill. You're going to get a little ranch with a white picket fence. It's going to be beautiful. God didn't say any of that. He said, I want you to leave everything where you are and follow me. I'll give you the directions later. And he did it. And so that shows that Abraham believed in God. He was willing to believe. Secondly, he trusted in God. If God's asking me to go, God's going to provide for me along the way. If God asks me to do this, God's going to make it. God's going to make it happen. No matter how hard, no matter how dark, no matter how cold. And believe me, Abraham along the way made a couple of mistakes because he's a knucklehead just like the rest of us, right? We ain't no different. Going back 6,000 years, we as people, we know different. We still knuckleheads today making sometimes wrong decisions and wrong choices. But he believed in God. He trusted in God. He gave his life to God. He followed after God no matter what. And lastly, he was willing to obey God. This is the toughest one. There's been times in life we all believe in God. And then times where we're like, ah. There's times where we say we trust God. There's times where we say, God, I give my life to you. There's times where we said, God, I'm following after you. But lastly, are we fully willing to obey what he asks us to do? Abraham proved in the story today he was willing to do whatever God asked him to do. Now, he believed in his heart he was not going to lose his son. We can't think this is some creepy, weird story, God saying you're going to sacrifice your son, blah, 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 blah. Abraham believed. He trusted God. But his words were, we will come back. So one way or another, whether in his mind he thought maybe he was going to sacrifice him and God would bring him back from the dead. We have no idea what was in Abraham's mind. But he knew that his son would live or live again. He knew. He had faith. He trusted. He gave his life. He followed. And then secondly, one of the greatest things, what did he pass on to his son? What did Isaac get from all of this? Do you know that Abraham became a very wealthy man? Super wealthy. Isaac got all of it. He passed on the money, which is nice, right? He got, he ended up with the ranch. He ended up with multiple ranches. He ended up with so much stuff. But you know, more importantly, what he passed on to his son? I guarantee his son would never forget the day he was tied up on wood looking at his dad with a funky look in his face with fire and a knife, I guarantee Isaac remembered every single day of his life, my dad loved God. My dad, as crazy as he might be, he was going to do whatever God asked him to do. This is what Isaac learned from this. This is what Isaac gained from this. And I guarantee every single day of his life, he remembered, boy, my dad really believed in God. Man, my dad really trusted God. It's important as parents, should we not teach our kids, hopefully one day 
that they spread their wings, they fly, they jump out of the cuckoo's nest, unless you've got to give them the boot, right? But you hope one day they fly out and they, they're normal and they get a job and family and all those things, right? We hope that all of our kids would one day be okay and normal and be able to exist when, unfortunately, we're going to pass on, right? And we're not going to be around. We can't wipe their butts when, you know, we're 90 years old anymore, right? We will pass. We will move on. And we hope that the kids that were given to us were ready to go on with life. If all we did is teach them how to work and make money, we didn't accomplish it. If all we did is teach them how to get up in the morning, eat food, go to work, we did not teach them anything. Anybody can ta be taught that. But the most important lesson is this one right here, what Abraham taught Isaac. God is number one to me. God is the source of life. God is the giver of life. And so this morning as we start kind of pulling some thoughts together, when I was, um, you know, when I first got into, you know, you know, one day deciding to work, and I'll never forget my, my first job, um, was a dishwasher. Oh, man. Washing dishes. That is so dirty and disgusting, especially if it's a busy place and food slop being pushed around everywhere and so gross. Even when I married my wife, believe it or not, I was just a dishwasher. You know, when I, when I met my, my wife's dad, I had absolutely nothing. I was living at my mom's house, had nothing at all. I think I had a car. I don't remember if I did or not. It's too many years ago. All I was doing was washing dishes. I can remember having the conversation, what are you going to do? I don't know, whatever God wants me to do. Where are you going to go? Wherever God wants me to go. How are you going to take care of my daughter? She'll be taken care of one way or another, right? Like I had nothing at all. There was nothing that I had. I was washing dishes, probably making four or five bucks an hour back then. Had no idea. But I didn't know one thing. God was calling me to do good things. And I knew that God was bringing us together. And if God called me and God was bringing us together, God was going to provide. And, you know, from that moment on, you know, I started working. And, and from one step to the next, I can't tell you how many times God would open the door from, from washing dishes. Then I went to Sparklets Water from making, you know, back then it was like, um... I think, again, washing dishes back then was like four or five bucks an hour to, like, my job at Sparklets was like 30000 40000 a year. This goes back 20-some years ago. And then opening the door for something else, and then opening the door for something else, opening the door for something else. And no matter how many times God had gave me increase in my life, I'm the type of person, and if you know me extremely well, I can be stingy, believe it or not. Now, there are times where I'm really nice and giving and, you know, wonderful and, you know, one of those kids where you want to bite a chocolate, let me lick it first. Oh, you don't want it anymore? I'm sorry. I was, I was stingy. I do that to Sam every week when he gets, goes for that donut, right? Sam, you don't want the donut anymore? Man. You know, I was the type of person that when we'd go out to eat, we go out to eat with Kim's parents, my parents, friends. It's like, oh, man, I hope they pay. I hope they pay the bill. Man, I hope they pay. So stingy. Even if there was money in the bank, it's always, always thinking to myself, oh, I hope they pay. I hope they pay. And then one day, Kim and I, we were lucky to go to this conference in San Diego. 
And I had been stingy for a good portion of my life, like really, really stingy. Really, really stingy. And it's not something that I like to admit, but I really, for many, many years. We're at this conference in San Diego, and I can't even remember what the person said, but we're, they were talking about money. They just realized, you know what? I, am, I hold to money way too tight. I care about this way, way more than I should. And so <clears throat> I don't remember how much we had in our bank account, but I wrote a $1,000 check, and I put it in the offering. This was like during the week. And we went to church the next Sunday. And you know what we did? We did it again. Wrote out another $1,000 check. Rent will get paid somehow. You know what happened from that moment? I can tell you from firsthand experience, man, God radically did something in the background. And the job that I had then, between you and I, I was making decent money. I, at that moment in my life, I was probably making 140000 a year or something like that. God opened the door for me to go to a different company. And, and my salary increased by another 100000 And I know, I know without a shadow of a doubt, it was because that day we decided I'm going to stop being stingy. Not we, it was more me because my wife's never stingy. that I decided to write something bigger and beyond myself, God just started opening bigger doors and bigger doors and bigger doors and bigger doors. See, in my mind, when I used to go out to eat, remember, the fights for who pays, it was, I hope they pay. But when I realized, you know what? Getting together and having fellowship, oh, that's so sweet and nice. But you know what seals it and makes it even better? I'm going to cover the bill, and I want to bless you instead of you blessing me. I'll be the one to give. Let me carry the weight and burden of giving. You don't worry about it. I'd like to carry that weight and burden for you. And what I decided, and there's times, believe me, that stingy John wants to come back all the time. Believe me, all the time. I got to pass on stingy John all the time because he tries to come up from the grave. And he's like, he's taking swings at me from the backside. Stingy, holding so tight. It reminds me of a story one time. There was a rich man, and God said that this guy who had lots of money, he thought to himself, man, I got all this money. What am I going to do? So the rich man says, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to build another barn, and then I can store more of my money. I'm just going to keep holding it to myself, and I'm going to build another barn, another barn, another barn. Until one day, God says to them, you know what? You all in your life, all you cared about was your money and what you could hold on to. And so this night, I'm going to take your life. This morning, I have to say, let's be honest. And I, again, I said, Stingy John, believe me, he's around all the time. And I have to find him out. How many of us, money can be a struggle. And what we do with our money. And one of the largest crutches in life today, it has to be money. For who pays the bill? How many of us, the thought of who's going to pay, not just the dining bill, but the electric bill and this bill and that bill, how am I going to do this? How am I going to provide? How am I going to go here? How am I going to do this? And you know what? It changes the older that you get. When you're younger, 19 and 20, it's like, who cares? I can get gum off the ground if I need to, right? I've got a stomach of, of steel. I'll find food anywhere, right? But when you get to be a little older, you do start to worry about things differently, right? Right? 
But our faith and trust in God should not waver at all. God will still provide. God is still going to meet my needs. And at the end of the day, I should know that it's God, ultimately, who's going to put the bill and pay it. He's going to foot the bill. He's going to pay it at the end. You know what's so crazy about this story, which I love it so much? If we continue on in this story. So Genesis. We go back to Genesis. Where'd you go? Genesis 22, verse 15. The angel of the Lord called again to Abraham from heaven. This is what the Lord says. Because you have obeyed me, because you have not withheld your, even your son, your only son, I swear by my own name that I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number like the stars in the sky, sand on the seashore. Your descendants will conquer the cities of the enemies. And though you're, through your descendants, the nations of the earth will be blessed all because you have obeyed me. Because you've obeyed me. You know what's crazy? From that point in the story, Abraham and Isaac, if you fast forward a couple thousand years, few thousand years, that same hill, that same mountain, you know who was crucified on that, that exact same mountain? Jesus Christ. God comes to Abraham at this, at this story that we read, and he says, I want you to offer and sacrifice your son that you love so much. Which in the end, God knew that he wasn't going to. In the end, God knew that he was footing the bill. Abraham did not have to do it. Abraham, in his mind, he's thinking, oh my gosh, this bill is too much to bear. It's like inviting all of Hemet out to La Fagata and saying, it's okay, I can afford it today. I'll, I'll pay for, for all the 100,000 people who live in town here, right? Have you ever invited somebody out to eat and you're thinking, I've got $200 to spend, that's my budget, can't go over that, and then the bill comes and it's like $5,000 and you're thinking, well, how did, how, did, how did the price go up? What? I had 200 bucks. Why is it so expensive? You see, in life, this is constantly what we go back to, if you ever fight with being stingy as well. What we're holding, what we're crutching onto is money. We're saying, God, what you're asking me to give, it's just too much. God, what you're asking me to do, and it's not only money and, and, and related. God, what you're asking of me, it's too much. Abraham didn't have that. If he thought it, it never was said out loud, right? Because there's things that we think that are never meant to be said out loud. Abraham, whether he thought, God, you're, at, you're crazy, God. I'm not giving my only son. It never was penned. It never was written out. So it didn't exist if he thought it. Just like in our brain, there's thoughts that we have. They're not meant to be spoken. They're not meant to be shared. But I'm sure that he was thinking, now you've done it, God. You've asked for too much. God knew the beginning from the end of the story. And at the end of the story, who was the one who paid the bill? God did. This morning, how many things are we worried about? Who's going to pay the bill when God's saying, man, if you would pray, trust, believe, and obey, I will. If you would just look to me and stop holding on to everything that you have in front of you, 
if you would teach your kids and pass on to them how important God and faith and all these things are, not money, not responsibilities. Yes, it's important to be responsible. Yes, it's important to teach your kids how to do this and this and this and this. Yes, we need to teach them how to fish, right? Yes, we need to teach them how to take out the trash. Hallelujah. Yes, we need to teach them all of those things. But if we don't pass on to them what Abraham passed on to Isaac, it's not enough. Because kids are watching, just like Isaac was watching Abraham. Kids are watching. Oh, you believe in God, do you? I don't, I don't see that you're really trusting him. I don't, I don't, you say you believe in God, but I don't know if you really believe. You say, but I don't see the obedience in you. Kids know these things. Isaac, that day, he realized God is numero uno in my daddy's life. He is number one, and he proved it. What are we proving with the choices we make every single day? What do we prove with the life that's been given to us? James 1.4 says, which is such, such a lovely verse, says, For you know that when your face tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Let it grow. When your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect, complete, needing nothing. God tested Abraham, and he passed the test, which was extremely hard. But why did he pass the test? Remember, just like being offered $10 million to box a really buff giant person and going two rounds, we would plan, we would prepare, we would do everything to get our bodies ready to last two rounds for $10 bucks. Abraham, everything he did up to this point, he was training, he was planning, he was preparing. But more than all of those things, he grew confident in God. God will always provide. God will always meet my needs. God's always going to take care of me. Even though I'm a fool and I make dumb decisions, Abraham made some dumb, dumb decisions, God still took care of Abraham. He had faith. God's going to make a way where there seems to be no way. God is going to heal, even when the doctors say, absolutely not, no way. God will open a door for me, bigger, better, if all I do is faith, trust, believe, follow. If we could just see what's on the other side, because at the end of the day, Isaac didn't die. He lived on. There was an animal that gave its life that day. Fast forward a few thousand years later, who gave their life? God gave his only son, Jesus, to die on that mountain, the exact same mountain where Abraham was going to offer Isaac. God did it. God did the exact thing that he asked Abraham to do. God did. He gave his only son, Jesus, as a sacrifice. And so I close with this verse this morning, Proverbs 3, 5. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And don't depend on your own understanding. Don't depend on your own thinking. Don't depend on all the crutches that you use. Don't depend on money. Don't depend on people. Trust in the Lord and learn to depend on him. Seek God in all that you do, and then God will show you what to do. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord. Turn away from evil. Then... Then, when we've learned to trust God fully, 
feel healing for your bones, strength for your bones, healing for your body. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the best part of everything you produce. Then God, who's going to pay the bill? God will fill your barn with grain. God will fill your vats, overflow with good wine. And so the question this morning, remember, we're fighting the good fight. We're going to fight for all that is good for us, all that God wants us to have, all that God wants us to do. The theme today, fight for who pays the bill. God's already paid your bill. God's already paid your bill. He has already provided all the things you need and then some. But why all those things are provided for, everything's already dead, said, and concrete, he's just waiting for you to step up to the bat. Just like Abraham had to step up in this story, God, whatever you want me to do. God, whatever you want me to give. I'm ready. Life, how growing up comes with greater challenges and greater responsibilities. The Bible says that when you become a Christian, you become born again. Growing up in God is the same. There's no difference. There's greater challenges. There's greater things that we deal with. And to think for this story, and we're going to wrap up, we're going to close. Abraham was asked the hardest thing ever. And he obeyed. And he obeyed and he did it. And I wonder, see, spiritually, how many times do we circle the mountain and say, God, you're just asking too much. We're not willing to walk up to the top. That's too hard, God. I could get hurt. I'm afraid. It's going to hurt my pride if I fail. God, you're asking too much. That's too much money to give. God, that's too much. And it's not only money. You're asking for too much time and energy. You want me to do this and that? You want me to go to church every Sunday? Oh. I wonder how many times we circle that mountain of spiritual growth when God's saying, you keep saying the price is too high, but you haven't walked up the hill. And if we could just see what's on the other side, God's already provided. What you think you have to pay, it's already provided for but we got to be willing to walk up the mountain.